What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Comrades Classroom Podcast. On it, we play back for you a live interview done by Naval Program with Dr. Cornell West. In this interview, Dr. West talks about growing up in Sacramento, the history of the Black Panther Party in Oak Park, and the importance of the Malcolm X Academy being developed by members of Naval Program. To support the school, please visit the links provided in our show notes. Their team is hard at work fundraising to get the school open this fall. As always, if you want to support the Comrades Classroom podcast and our work in the field at the People's Coalition, you can visit our website, thepeoplescoalition.net. Peace, y'all. Excuse me, everyone, I have a brief announcement to make. Jesus was black, Ronald Reagan was the devil, and the government is lying about 9-11. Thank you for your time and good night. Having that dream where you made the white people riot, weren't you? But I was telling the truth. How many times have I told you you better not even dream about telling white folk the truth? You understand me? Shoot. Making white people riot. You better learn how to lie like me. I'm going to find me a white man and lie to him right now. I am the stone that the builder refused. I am the visual, the inspiration that made ladies sing the blues. I'm the spark that makes your idea bright. The same spark that lights the dark so that you can know your left from your right. I am the ballad in your box, the bullet in the gun, the inner glow that lets you know to call your brother son. The story that just begun, the promise of what's to come. And I will remain a soldier till the war is won. Well, it is 10, so we should probably get it. Do it. Yep, we should go live. All right. See y'all on the other side. <laughs> All right. And we can just stay right with ours, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Appreciate it, DJ. Good morning, good morning, good morning. See so many awesome people. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We are going to get started because we do want to be mindful of everyone's time. Again, thank you so much. This is a special edition of Neighbor Newspaper, a live conversation with Malcolm X Academy's leadership team and Dr. Cornell West, right, a Sacramento legend in his own right. Um, and so first, we just wanted to bring everyone into understanding why we're here in this space. Um, And again, we are here in this space to support the Shakur Center and ultimately the opening of Malcolm X Academy for African Education, a K through eight school in historic Oak Park, right on 4th Ave, right? Um, Understanding that history of Sacramento and its resistance to the empire, specifically in Oak Park, uh, (laughs) the way that African unity has manifested in Oak Park and the history of black teachers, black education and Recording pedagogy in progress. is something that we felt 
bringing Dr. West in would be vitally important. I felt that so many people could benefit from this conversation. And so we wanted to bring it to y'all. And again, we thank you guys for coming here with us. My name is Jordan McGowan. I am the founder, the chair, and I serve as the minister of programs for Neighbor Program. And I am going to let the rest of our amazing team introduce themselves, starting with my sis, Mel. Good morning, everyone. Um, thank y'all for joining us. My name is Mel. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I am the founder of Agape Movement, a political education platform. Um, and I am the Minister of Education for the Malcolm X Academy for African Education. And I will toss it on over to my comrade, DJ. What's going on, everybody? Uh, my name is DJ. I am... Um, a doctoral student at the University of California, Irvine, studying uh, liberation movements and the role of liberatory education projects for African and indigenous youth. Uh, and I am the Minister of Pedagogy uh, for the Malcolm X Academy. And I'll pass it over to the bro, Marcus. How's it going, everybody? Uh, Marcus, um, I'm a community-based educator, basketball coach, and youth mentor um, in the Nishinaan land, Sacramento area. Um, I run an organization called Four Sports and Education. We do uh, academic support, college prep, uh, mentorship and life skills programs for youth athletes. Uh, I'm the Minister of Development for Malcolm X Academy. I'm um, working with the Shakur Center and I'm incredibly grateful, incredibly um, excited to be working with such a talented and passionate team of folks. Um, this means the world to me. Um, I also was a master's student at Harvard University in the School of Education and Dr. West was my professor and is a personal philosophical mentor of mine. Um, so I'm extremely grateful to be sharing this space with him today and to have his presence here. So we wanted to, to get kicked off. We are going to introduce our great guests in, in just a second. Um, and we wanted to kick off really by, by grounding ourselves in the space. Um, and grounding ourselves really in this project. And so um, we're gonna start off with the land, labor and ancestor acknowledgement, and then we will introduce our speaker. Um, and we're gonna be getting into some questions that we have set for, for Dr. West. Um, and then also time at the end, um, if there are questions from the audience. And so write things down, take notes, um, be prepared. We would love to hear, hear y'all's voices in this space as well. Um, so I'm going to kick it back over to DJ to get us started with the, with the land acknowledgement. Thank you, Mel. Um, all right, for our land back acknowledgement, every time we come together as community members and as comrades, it's important that we acknowledge the indigenous nations whose land that we're currently settled on and whose occupation and genocide continues to this day. Wherever you're tuning in at, or and if you haven't yet, we encourage you to learn about the tribal lands that you're currently a guest or a settler on and think about what ways can you lend yourselves to their struggle for land back? And I'll pass it to Marcus through our ancestor acknowledgement. Thank you, DJ. Uh, we also wanna use this moment to honor our ancestors. We understand that they engaged in the struggle with our futures in mind and their spirits continue to live on through us. We recognize their sacrifices and take refuge in the protection they offered by the fortress they have built around us through revolutionary love. We ask them to grant us the strength and discipline to continue to struggle for the right to determine our own destinies and that of our communities, striking down any enemies that may stand in our path. And, and to, to really acknowledge the labor um, that has been done, 
um, for folks living and existing on Turtle Island, also known as the United States, um, acknowledging the chattel slavery um, and the labor of, of, of enslaved Africans that really built the wealth of this country. Um, and then we wanna localize that labor into, into particularly California um, and into what we're talking about today, Sacramento and the Oak Park community. Um, and, and with education, acknowledging Elizabeth Thorne Scott Flood, who set up the Sacramento's first school for, for black students in 1854. In fact, it was the state's first school for black students in, in 1854, um, which was an ungraded school where children of all ages and abilities were taught in one room. Um, she went on to establish the first black private school in Oakland. Um, we wanna acknowledge the, la the labor of the Black Panther Party, whose fifth point of their 10 point platform says, we want a decent education for our people that exposes the true nature of this decadent American society we want an education that teaches us our true history and our role in the present day society. We believe in an educational system that will give our people a knowledge of themselves. If you do not have knowledge of yourself and your position in the society and in this world, then you will have little chance to know anything else. And what we know of the labor of the Black Panther Party is that they did not just make this point, but they went and operationalized it. Um, and so on to uplift the labor of, of Erica Huggins, um, and Donna, sorry, uh, and Donna Howell, who in 1973 helped establish the Black Panther Party's Oakland Community School, um, which provided a holistic space for education of the youth and of adults. Um, and, and we want to acknowledge the Black Panther Party and other revolutionaries who have taught us to build for ourselves in search of national independence. And with that, I will acknowledge one, my own ancestors, right? Who have come through my wife's aunt, Majida Rahman, who started the Healthy Babies Program with the Panthers, as well as Malcolm X or Malik Shabazz, right? Who said in 1964, that we must establish all over the country schools of our own to train our own children to become scientists, to become mathematicians. We must realize the need for adult education and for job retraining programs that will emphasize a changing society in which automation will play the key role. We intend to use the tools of education to help raise our people to an unprecedented level of excellence through their self-respect, through their own efforts. And we definitely wanna uplift, again, the struggle that has taken place specifically in Oak Park, unifying Africans throughout the city to come to Oak Park um, to defend a black community, to defend their humanity, right? And to love each other. And that's what the Oak Park branch did. They had brothers and sisters coming from all over Sacramento and they was protecting each other. They was loving each other. They was teaching each other. And so with that, again, we couldn't think of when we're thinking about education, we're thinking about Sacramento, we're thinking about all those things. We couldn't think of anybody else better to try to, to, try to reach y'all and have a conversation with than Dr. Cornell West, our special guest for today. And I, brother, I hope you can share some words and you know, let the folks know who you are. <laughs> what I want the folks to know that I am profoundly blessed and overjoyed to be part of this conversation. I want to salute each 
and every one of you, Brother Jordan, the work that you would do, and Sister Mel, oh, Brother Marcus, student, the best coming out of Harvard, and Brother DJ himself, and all of the others who are here. I mean, you all know the Sacramento Sac Town is a very special place for me in terms of, uh, of my growing up nine years in Glen Elder, two years on the south side of Sacramento, and formative years there, Shiloh Baptist Church, Reverend Willard P. Cook, Deacon Hinton, and Sarah Ray, my vacation Bible school teacher. And it's true, the Black Panther Party was right down the, the headquarters, right down the street, Mark Tima and the others at that time. And when I did go to college in, in Cambridge, that I worked with the breakfast program and the prison program. For every week I was there as part of my own attempt to build on the legacies of a Malcolm X who would say over and over again, whoever speaks the truth, I'm for it. Whoever fights for justice, I'm with them. And he said, I'm first and foremost a human being, a Muslim and a new world African and a black man. That's, that's the Malcolm X you all probably know. We just had the uh, ceremony there for the 57 years uh, in the Audubon room. It was a very powerful, powerful moment. They were kind enough to have me give a keynote and we were just keeping alive the best, not just of Malcolm X, but keeping alive the best of black people, the best of America, the best of the human species, which is deep love in the face of chronic hatred, which is serious commitment to freedom in the face of terrorism and wounded healing in the face of trauma, uh, joy spreading in the face of sorrow. You see, that's what you all represent of your magnificent generation. Y'all do it your own way. You know, I'm old school, so you all got Tupac and I got Curtis Mayfield. Hey, that's cool. I love, <laughs> I love both of them. I was blessed, actually, you might know at uh, Reverend Herbert Dolce's church, House of the Lord Pentecostal Church, 415 Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, the founder of the National Black United Front. Every Wednesday, we had a Timbuktu Learning Center for almost 10 years. And on the front row was Tupac with his mother, Afini, who worked both for the Black Panther Party, but at that time was a member of House of the Lord Church. And Reverend Herbert Dolce is still a towering figure in terms of the Black United Front movement. He's 91 years old. I just did a a wonderful dialogue with him just a few weeks ago. And his daughter is now Leah and the other, she's now the bishop uh, taking over. And that's very important because they got to deal with patriarchy, not just in the church, but everywhere. Homophobia the same way, transphobia the same way. Any ideology that loses sight of the humanity of people against Arabs, Muslims, Jews, gays, lesbians, whatever it is. And you all really are representing the best in my hometown. No, so it's, it's very, very special indeed, indeed, indeed. But I'm here to learn, here to listen, and uh, most importantly, to, to try to uh, hold up this bloodstained banner because we're living in such a dim moment, such a grim moment. The American Empire is, is decaying. Uh, uh, the Roman Empire right now, of course, trying to expand, but having to deal with the expansion of NATO at the same time. Anytime innocent people are killed, we know that that's a crime against humanity, no matter what color they are, no matter what gender. We just want to be morally consistent. If it happens in the Congo, it's wrong. If it happens on the West Bank, it's wrong. 
it happens in Guatemala, it's wrong. If it happens in Honduras, it's wrong. If it happens in Sacramento, it's wrong. If it's happening in Paris, it's wrong. Across the board, we keep our moral and our spiritual standards high, and uh, we remember, you know, the Kwame Toure's and the uh, Angela Davis, still strong. Harry Belafonte, 95 years old. We just had a tribute to him last week. Holding on for dear, dear life. All of those who exemplified the standards of not just black people, not just the new world, but of the species, because the species itself is being challenged with ecological catastrophe and nuclear catastrophe. Organized greed at the top, predatory capitalist processes with its imperial expansionary orientations, uh, the grotesque wealth inequality, and as we shall see in the next few days and weeks, anytime the empire wants money for wars, it will find it. But when it comes time for money for education, jobs with a living wage, health care, housing, all of a sudden things get tight. They got austerity programs. We can't find the money. We have to make sure that we keep the budgetary deficit uh, uh, low and so forth. You can just see what Martin King called the war priority of the American empire. And uh, you all are bearing witness in a very concrete way to be a countervailing force against that greed, against that contempt, against that callousness, against that indifference, especially toward the most vulnerable, what the 25th chapter of Matthew calls the least of these, those friends for known call the wretched of the earth. And of course, when he talked about the wretched, he was talking about priceless, precious, everyday people in the language of the genius from Baleo, Sly Stone, who used to play at Shiloh every fifth Sunday in the Northern California Mass Choir with Fred and Rose, his brother and his sister. Fred's still the major pastor in, in Vallejo, but they were sliding family stone. And you know, they, they one of the greatest one of the greatest groups. And I want you all to always remember the Sly Stone, just like Curtis Mayfield and Sam Cooke never won a Grammy and Millie Vanilli won two. So this is not about no mainstream establishment, patting people on the back. You're doing this because you love the people. And whatever your religious, spiritual, atheistic, agnostic orientation, whatever it is, we're all capable of loving the people. Malcolm did it as a Muslim, Bell Hooks did it as a Buddhist, James Baldwin did it as an agnostic, Paul Robeson did it as agnostic. There's a whole wave of, 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 of folk, a whole cloud of witnesses who are fundamentally committed to the preciousness of everyday people who have fallen in love with black people, fallen in love with poor people, fallen in love with working people. And anytime you love the people, you hate the fact that they're treated unfairly. That's, that's my own revolutionary Christian tradition. I hate injustice. I hate domination. I hate white supremacy. I hate male supremacy. The flip side of that, loving the people. The flip side. So it comes out of a love. It's not negative. I don't even view myself primarily as anti-racist. I love, I view myself as primarily a love of the people. That makes me anti-racist. So you always begin with 
your people as the point of reference. The point of reference is not those who are coming at you. You are building on a great tradition. But the Isaac brothers call the caravan of love. The OJs call it the love train. Some folk call it the agape movement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Others call it the neighbor program. Mm -hmm. Other people call it the, uh, 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 the breakfast, free, free food for people, free health care for people, whatever you want to call it, it's the love that's filtered through. That's the key thing. And that's the crucial thing. Very much so. But I won't go on because I'm, I'm here to learn, listen, and have dialogue. But I just wanted to be, try to say something that whets your appetite enough to be able to, uh, to build on this marvelous, marvelous work that you all are doing. I don't have a language to uh, describe how marvelous this work actually is that you're doing. Very much so. Dr. West, thank you. And this is actually a perfect transition into our first question. Um, you talked about... Wonderful you know, loving the people, uh, being committed to the preciousness of everyday people, right? And I want to think about kind of like the political consequences of truly loving the people, right? So I know in 2019, in the spring, I took a course with you called uh, Faith in the Fire, Religious Public Intellectuals. And we studied the radical love of Jesus, right? As a brown Palestinian Jew in the heart of the Roman Empire, right? And the consequences to enacting on his love, acting on his love, right? And what it means to speak truth to power, even in the face of persecution, so as one of the greatest public intellectuals of, you know, the last hundred years, uh, someone, you know, who's deeply rooted in the radical Christian tradition, I want to know what you think the role of the public intellectual is in relation to the welfare and the development of African youth. Um, and then secondly, what's the importance of providing ongoing political clarity for the masses of our people? Mm, ooh, what a powerful question. What a wonderful, wonderful question. I mean, I begin with the notion, though, that genuine black love in a white supremacist society is a crime. It's a crime. Uh, to follow Jesus into the temple and run out the money changers is a crime. That's why he ended up criminalized. He ended up executed on the cross as a political criminal because it was a threat to the what empire. It was a threat to the Roman empire. That temple was not some shack on a corner. It was the largest edifice outside of Rome. It was protected by 400 Roman troops and bankers on the side and intellectuals on the other side who rationalized the rule of the bank. That's why the disciples pulled back. They said, no, no, these fishes and loaves is cool with us, but not going into this temple. Mm-mm. Because you go into this temple, you're going to end up on a cross. You're going to end up crucified, you see. So then the question of courage and consistency comes in here, you see. And it's not a matter of a kind of a cheap moralism. It's not a matter of just feeling good about yourself and doing, doing good, no. There's something inside of you that cries out when you see poor people being mistreated, exploited, degraded. You black people, brown people, indigenous people. That was very important that we begin acknowledging our precious indigenous people. Because you see, you hear on TV all the time, slavery was America's original sin. Now, now that's that's neoliberal chit-chat. You got to tell the truth. 
That was the second original sin. The first one was the genocidal attacks and assaults on our precious indigenous brothers and sisters. And black people, we don't need to push somebody else's suffering aside just to make our suffering visible. No, no, no. We got moral and spiritual standards, you see. That black suffering, wrong. Indigenous suffering, wrong. Brown suffering, white suffering, wrong. Right across the board, moral spiritual issue. Now, when it comes to the role of public intellectuals, for me, you know, I've always viewed myself first and foremost as a blues man in the life of the mind and a jazz man in the world of ideas. So that for me, it's the musicians that serve as the fundamental uh, 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 models for me, you see. That when black folk listen to an Anita Baker or Luther Vandross or Curtis Mayfield or Aretha, what are they doing? They're acknowledging somebody who was spiritually, culturally, morally extension of them. So they're part of the community. They're not coming in from the outside. So that if intellectuals were involved in an activity that were as affirming and empowering as our musicians, then we wouldn't have to worry about being alienated from our people. James Brown never worried about being alienated from black folk. James Brown imperfect like everybody else. Miles Davis didn't worry about alienated. Nina Simone ain't worried about alienated because she is an extension of the community. She's an extension of the history. And when people think about what they do, they think of being empowered. You can't leave a James Brown concert and not feel empowered. And if you do, what would he say? I don't know whether you all are old enough to ever attend a James Brown concert. I went to about 50 of them. And at the end of every concert, he said, I'm an extension of you, you're an extension of me, I don't exist without you. Anybody come to play a song, that, to hear a song that we didn't play, and he'd just gone for about three and a half hours. And a sister in the back, you didn't play Soul Power. He said, hit it, Bootsy. We're going to play a song for the sister. She came all the way here, used her money, and, and, and we played 40 songs, and we still didn't play her song, the song that she came here for. We're going to play that right now. Well, see, that's a conception of serving the people. You're not spectacle. We saw that with the Super Bowl halftime the other day, the greatest tradition, modern culture, black music. And you got a moment for Tommy Smith, and John Carlos to take a stand against the plantation-like system of the NFL. And instead, so many of our artists decide to be spectacles rather than to bear witness. The Vanilla Brother had to bear witness. Eminem had to bear witness. He went down and stayed down in solidarity with Brian Flores in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick. I was just with, at uh, Brother Spike Lee's uh, Four Acres and the Mew two days ago because he's doing a documentary on Colin Kaepernick. So Colin's going to come out with a major statement at the beginning of the football uh, season. And Spike's got to six episodes on Colin, Colin Kaepernick. was going to be powerful. But it's the sports figures representing athletic excellence, but it's part of the same black freedom struggle, an extension of the people. So Colin himself, given his tremendous talent, saying, I'm using my talent, my gifts, in service of something bigger than me, in service of the black freedom struggle. That's very much what it, and black intellectuals have to have the same conception of themselves as Colin. 
within our respective context. As Aretha, and ain't nobody gonna be singing like Aretha at that level, but we're talking about her, her role and function, not the high level of excellence. Because we gotta wait for the next Aretha, we all might as well just go to the crack house. Because Aretha's off into his own of her own. But we got some great talent, don't get me wrong, but Aretha's Aretha, Aretha. Yeah, I mean, I love Beyonce, but you know, she ain't no Aretha now, let's just be honest. So that, and I love her to death, I love her to death, but everybody got their generational greatness and we got different ones. So that, it is what it is. We ain't got no Du Bois today. We ain't got no Curtis Mayfield today. So I'm not putting Beyonce down. I'm just acknowledging her own kind of genes in relation to Aretha, Sarah Vaughn, Billie Holiday, Carmen McRae, Dinah Washington. Ooh, you start talking about that level, everybody got to be silent for a while. That's all right. They all part of our tradition. They all part. Mary J, she's my queen. Even she doing halftime. Ooh, she missed it. Mary J missed it. I still love her, but she missed it. It's not a question of just being happy because you get selected to be spectacle. You got to bear witness. You got to mm. take, take a risk. You got to cut against the grain. That's the kind of loving pressure that we put on. Are for black intellectuals, the exact same treatment and pressure. Are we being true as servants to the people to empower them? So when they see us, just like when they see Nina Simone, they say, oh, there's somebody who loves me, who cares for me. There's somebody who's concerned about me. There's somebody whose activity impacts me in such a way that I'm stronger. I got. I see the world better. I feel the world deeper. I can act more courageously. That's the greatness of who we are as human beings, as New World Africans, as male, or female, or gay, or lesbian, or whatever other identities we have. I'm sorry about this noise because this is Harlem right here. Can you all see the background? I live on 110th Street. Ooh. That thing came off. That thing came off. You can see the background. Maybe I better not mess with this thing because Lord have mercy. Uh, I don't know where it went. Oh, here it is. I'm sorry about this though, y'all. Can you see us right now? Yeah, it's all good. Take your time. Yeah, no, no. This thing came off here, and uh, I want to make sure that uh, I'm still with you. But you got a lot of noise, you know, from the police and brothers and sisters on the corner and what have you. That's cool. You hear somebody singing a song that sounds like Luther Vandross' second cousin, then you know that you, I'm in the right place and you in the right place. Um, I think that's actually a, a perfect segue. I have a, I have a follow up. So I think as you're speaking, um, I'm thinking about right this call for educators to really do that work right in a, in a radical and in a loving way. Absolutely. Um, and I'm also thinking about right the the real the realities right of 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 what happens when folks start to do that right. So you know, kind of thinking about our organization that exists um, in the tradition. Uh, of the Black Panther and in the work of some some real revolutionaries, we know that there's documented evidence that when folks start trying to build schools, start trying to build for self-determination, right, build for our own um, progress as, as oppressed communities, 
um, the state, right? The state comes in and it intervenes. We have instances of COINTELPRO um, attacking, right, folks who are who have sought to educate folks, folks like um, H. Rat Brown, right, Imam Jamil, right, thinking about the ways in which folks who are educators become political prisoners as, as a result of, of state interference and state targeting. Um, and so would love to hear you talk a little bit more, right, about about what are some of the risks, right, that the public intellectual takes when it begins, when they begin to speak truth to power, um, and even thinking about some modern day examples, right, thinking about this, this don't say gay law, um, but would love to hear you talk a little bit more about, about some of the risks that folks take in, the, in this realm. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you mentioned uh, Brother H. Rap Brown, uh, formerly known as H. Rap Brown, who's right now, you all know, in Arizona. We just had a uh, press conference a few months ago. We put out a book, mainly people who were working with him closely, but I was blessed to uh, to contribute with a uh, with a brief essay. But you're right. I mean, we should never, ever forget those who were willing to pay the ultimate price, the Mumia Abu Jamal's and Asada Shakur's and others. But I, in a way, it's, it's similar to Jesus going into that temple and running out the money changers because you got the cross waiting for you. And anybody who is a love warrior must be willing to bear a special cross. Will you sing that song in Shiloh? Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone. There's a cross for me. You see, that's the song we're freedom fighting because the devil's busy in terms of the coldness and the indifference and the greed and the hatred, the devil embodied in human beings, because you're talking about devilish behavior of human beings, you see. And, uh, uh, and that's why we need each other. That's why you had to have strong bonds. That's why you had to have strong community. You don't ever want to feel as if you're in it all by yourself. We see the precious grandmother back there, Brother Marcus, you see, grandmothers are special. They make a difference. When he get down and out, he got grandma, he got mom, he got dad, he got you all, he got his partner, he can get me a call. We had to have a sense of community so that we're in it together. I got my brother Clifton right there. I got sent in Cheryl. My mom and dad are gone, but they're with me in spirit. And their afterlife is partly working in my life. Those memories and then the community. This is very, very crucial. But in the end, we do have to be willing to pay a price that you're absolutely right about that there's no no doubt about that we had to try to be supportive of each other you know i'm hoping that maybe together we can have a big fundraiser in the fall in sacramento where i could be there in person and so because the malcolm x academy is really opening in the fall is that right fall 2022 opening its doors Wow, man, let's see if we could, we could set something up in the fall just to say, hey, we in this together. Hey, yeah. we have a variety of different voices concerned about these precious children. Hey, we're going to create a model that is counter-hegemonic, countervailing to what's in place when it comes to education for our precious children and so forth, you see. But I think in the end, you know, that's what we have. You know, we have each other and, then, you know, Christian like myself, I'm, I'm forever praying and swinging at the same time. Don't mean a thing. You ain't got that swing. That's Duke. 
Ellington, but you got to have some prayer if you part of a revolutionary religious tradition. But I, but my secular brothers and sisters who don't pray, you know, that's their thing. That's fine. I love them to death. But I, I get into some serious prayer moods because I've been in some situations. People put guns to my wife's head and people got shotguns in my uh, in my driveway and so forth and so on. That there's times in which you have a certain feeling of, of, of um, being overwhelmed. And so everybody has in some way to uh, respond in their distinctive modes that way. Uh, but most importantly, you know, there's no way around, there's no way around the, uh, the repression coming your way, the lies, the character assassination, and so forth. And every, every great figure in our, our grand tradition, you know, has been targeted. And in many ways, it's a compliment. Right, right. How was that be right. target you? You've got to be doing something right. 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 And and I think that's for us like that, like that tradition and, and like understanding that has been like foundational. Right. Like understanding that politic, that history. Um, and and I think that's why for us, it's so important and, and meaningful that we're here in Oak Park. Right. That we're in the same you know neighborhoods that the Panthers walked in like, down the street from the school that they opened. And that's we're going to be. You know, like I said, at the, the Shakur Center is named after, you know, Afini, Tupac, uh, Dr. Matulu, Asada, all those people that you just named, right? And I think, um, I know for me and Mel, we're working even on how do we bring like music into the center, right? To have the Tupac performing arts. Because like you said, the artists are always speaking to the times, right? And so how do we translate the politic into meeting the material needs, right? Because if we're not meeting those needs, the people don't, they don't care about none of that. And so that's why, you know, we're hoping with the Asada Shakur Freedom Farm, we're able to show folks how to grow their food, right? With the Dr. Matulu Health Clinic at the end of this month, folks is going to be able to come get some free health care. We got an expungement clinic. I know we got a brother working that he has a, a job program so we can get folks re-entry and, you know, and they can get jobs and then get placed and trying to build that. So we do know that we're going to come under attack. And what the kind of analogy that I've I've taken is that we're at war, right? And, and with that, I'm telling people, yo, we need you to send aid in whatever fashion it comes. Um, and so with that, like understanding that war, and again, that really comes from Banan, right? That comes from, I mean, that, that all the way back there. To me, that legacy. Right. Um, with that being said, I, we would we would love to hear you talk about what these schools are doing. Right. What are the effects of the miseducation of the whitewashing of history? Right. Of really the menticide, the, the mental genocide of a people and specifically their youth. Right. From ages five to 18 at the very least. So we would love for you to speak on that just briefly, if nothing else. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Uh... You all really inspired me in a fundamental way. And I'm serious about that thing in the fall. I can tell you that. I'm serious about that. And I'll fly my way out and don't be paying me a penny. Every penny will go to what you all are doing, the programs and for the children. Because uh, 
we can make Sacramento a, a stronger beacon of light and of hope in this moment for our people. Uh, uh, but no, you all know the great Carter G. Woodson's classic, The Miseducation of the Negro. He's got a wonderful line. I think it's about page 141, 143, where he says, I just wish that educated Negro could fall in love with the poor Negro. Now that's his way of saying what Erica Higgins, Huggins was doing, you see. That's 1920s. That's part of our tradition. That is the caravan of love that the Eisen brothers sang about, see. And you all are now on that love train. Now, what are the schools in place doing? What they have been doing? What the white supremacist order has been doing for 400 years, which is to take a dignified African people and to niggerize us. And when you are niggerized, you begin to believe the lies that black people are less beautiful than they are. They're less intelligent than they are. They're less moral than they are. And most importantly, to keep black people afraid, scared, intimidated, laughing when it ain't funny, scratching when it don't itch, wearing the mask in order to make it through a mainstream to become well-adjusted to injustice. So that once you niggerize the people, then you convince them to defer and even consent to their own oppression. And you all read Antonio Gramsci on this. You read Ella Baker on this. All the great freedom fighters say, how do you get oppressed people? Not just to wake up, because people can wake up and stay so woke, they suffer from insomnia. You don't want nobody suffering from no insomnia. No, 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 no. You want, and people can wake up and see a nightmare and be completely overwhelmed. You want people to wake up and then become fortified. Now in Shiloh Baptist Church in Old Park, we talk about this in terms of Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor. Amen. Put on what will equip you. Curtis Mayfield said, people get ready. You got to get the people ready. Right? And that's intellectually, spiritually, morally, politically, and connected to the best of their history, Sankofa. You refuse to move forward unless you connect to the best of your past. So those schools that are in place miseducating or niggerizing Malcolm X Academy is going to be de-niggerizing. And once you de-niggerize the people who've been niggerized, ooh, all of this power, all of this vision, all of this love, all of this joy, all of this community, all of those precious memories that James Cleveland and Aretha Franklin sang about an Amazing Grace album. And those precious memories start coming back of grandmama and granddaddy who loved you and mama and daddy and Frederick Douglass and Ira, Ida B. Wells Barnett and you feel so fired up. So, oh, Lord have mercy, now you ready to be a love warrior. 
Now you're ready to be a freedom fighter, not as a sprinter, but as a marathoner. Not as lifestyle. People who choose it as a lifestyle, they're going to be out there for about three years and then shift. No, we're talking about somebody going to be there and tell the worm to get your body. You're going to be faithful unto death. See, that's the Angela Davis. You don't have to love Angela's communism. But you know, she's what Ashford and Simpson called the real thing. Ain't nothing like the real thing. And the real thing comes in a lot of different forms. Brother Martin was the real thing. Bell Hooks, the real thing. We go on and on, you see. Different orientations, different even different ideologies, but they're ideologies that try to look at the world through the lens of everyday people and ordinary people. That's the key. That's the key, you see. That's why the Black Panther Party could have Malcolm X on the wall, but they knew he was a Muslim. Malcolm's still praying five times a day. They were secular. That's all right. They sons and daughters of Malcolm X, El Hajjel. Shabazz, you see, because they knew he was for real. Malcolm used to start off his speeches, what? Sincerity, my only credential, love of my people, my fundamental motivation. You see, Brother Malcolm, brother, you and I lie, going to do your thing. I'm with you. Now, I'm with Jesus. That's all right. That's all right. I'm with my comrades who got a variety of different religious sensibilities, but I loving the people. And when you get in the foxhole, it's better to be in a foxhole with Malcolm as a Muslim than most of my fellow Christians who will sell me out in a minute. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I appreciate that. And I think it... Um like towards the end of your answer there, right? You got into the the purpose and the role of what something like the Malcolm X Academy can be and can do. Um, and you broke down, right? How the history of our schools, right? Is the role, like you, you right, use the term um, niggerized, right? And I like to use um, the, the term that these are, these are mechanisms of removal, right? They remove us from our community. They remove us from our culture. They remove us from our ancestors. They remove us from who we are, right? And that goes, like you said, from the first original sin from the uh, indigenous boarding schools where they were removing indigenous children. They were, right, they were genociding indigenous children. They were taking away their culture, cutting off their hair, right? And we, we know that there's a link between those boarding schools and the current compulsory public schools that our, our students are forced into today, right? They're called public schools, but if you don't send your kids to them, you, know, you can go to jail, right? These are compulsory institutions. That's right. Uh, and so in your opinion, or if you were to advertise, right, this to, to the people, what do you think is, is the benefits of providing a, a school that is created for and by African and indigenous communities in, in light of the reality that we, we have only had access to colonial schools and these compulsory models of schools? Yeah, no, I appreciate that, brother, because it's so very important. I mean, as you know, I mean, as any oppressed folk, we've always had to work with what we got. If Charlie Parker only has access to a saxophone created by Adolf Sachs in Belgium, he's gonna work that saxophone in such a way that no European played it that way, but it's still a European instrument. He just made it his own. 
Same is true with our Tatum with the piano. Well, so it is in education. That's why we learn from our artists, you see. That's why our artists always remain in the vanguard because they are most free. They love us the most. They give everything at their best to us. And it's partly because it's within the sonic spaces of music that we have been able to be ourselves. It's like Sly Stone, thank you for letting me be myself. Now you think to yourself, where can black people really be themselves? Me and brother Marcus at Harvard, we gotta go against the grain. Brother DJ Irvine, you gotta go against the grain. Can't be full of yourself. But in any context, you can be true to yourself. Because integrity, honesty, decency, memories of the dignity that's been passed on to you by those who came before us. So when you have a Malcolm X Academy, it's almost like, uh, you know, it's like if, uh, was what Coltrane was trying to do when he was trying to create these uh, nightclubs for the musicians, where the black musicians own the nightclubs. And when you brought in the jazz musicians for the jazz session, you could just break loose and be yourself all the way down. All the way down. You didn't have to worry about the money that you had to make. Didn't have to worry about whether you satisfying the audience or not. Bring in Sun Rock. Bring in Ben Webster with his sweet sound. Bring in Billie Holiday with her unique voice that didn't come through the black church the way Sarah Vaughn's did, but we love her voice as much as we love Sarah Vaughn. Free. That's a rare thing that black people have full control over a space where we can fully be ourselves in our quest for truth and beauty and goodness. And it's not about putting other people down because they are not the point of reference. If all you're doing is just putting somebody down, they still your point of reference. You're just a parasite on them. You push aside that white gaze and you put at the center the gaze of your people. Now, no gaze has a monopoly on truth because all of us got faults and foibles. But the white gaze has traditionally been one to view folk as pathology deficiency, you know, and, 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 and we can go on and on and on. But with our musicians, ooh, Lord, it used to be like that with our churches, but, you know, our churches have been so, uh, have been so niggerized. It used to be preachers saying, Jesus deniggerizes. But now our churches have given, have, have begun, you know, just worship golden calf right across the board. And they just go along with the dominant culture, which is view life as a gold rush. And of course, California has a history of the gold rush. And when you view life as a gold rush, you're going to end up worshiping the golden calf. And you're going to transform the golden rule into he or she who has the gold rules. Now, see, that's gangster to the core. To the core. And the biggest gangsters in the country start with Wall Street. Start with Silicon Valley. Now we got black gangsters and black thugs because human beings make choices. But you don't be begin with their black gangsterism. They ain't running nothing. They trying to get over and oftentimes they're imitating the worst of the culture. 
but we're against gangsterism in any color because we got more spiritual standards. Ain't no doubt about that. Very much so. But but we've got to be very honest and candid in terms of uh, you know what what we're trying to do. Uh, and the Malcolm X Academy is going to be a uh, an unprecedented uh, effort right there in Sacto, building on the best. But this is 2022 now. It's a very different moment than when they, what the Panthers were doing in the 70s and what Carter Woodson was doing in the 1920s. And you all have, you know, visions and energies that I have not at all, because I am old school. Everybody old school. Got blindnesses. Ain't no doubt about that. Y'all dealing with circum- situations and circumstances I know not of. Glenn Elder in the 1960s and Old Park in the 1960s, different moments. There's continuities and discontinuities, but it's different moments. If y'all, most of y'all don't even remember what black music was like before hip hop. And what it's like to slow dance under the purple light through the mighty dells and the delphonics and the whispers and the dramatics and the natural four and the emotions and the Jones girls. We ain't even got the earth wet and fire, James Brown and Bootsy yet. That's a different historical moment in our people. It's a great moment. But y'all got some deep artists too. You know, we ain't got no Chuck D's. <laughs> no, we ain't got no Queen Latifah. I mean, it's, so it's a different moment, but same tradition, responding to new circumstances. But the one thing that's constant is the love, the courage, the attempt to sustain community, tell the truth, expose lies, and be willing to give it all. That's what's constant. That was true for great grandmama and daddy is true for your generation. Thank you. You have provided like perfect segues almost every time. <laughs> <laughs> That's called um, the Holy Ghost, brother. That's called the Holy amen. Ghost. That's the amen. Amen. Um, I know that we started this like with an ancestor acknowledgement. Um, I know that for me, I feel so much of my own father and like the work that I do. And, and I do know a lot of that music because my dad was old school when he had me, he actually <laughs> fought, he got drafted. He got drafted and fought in Nam at uh Quezon during 68 Tet offense. He wow. got dropped in January 68. So I actually in my home currently, I have like 350 of his vinyl albums because he was a DJ when he came home. So I do know those albums. I still play those albums. I, I still I dance it. with my wife to those albums. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I did have to share that. I did have to share that. But indeed, indeed. But for me, I think it kind of right this work. That's what I tell people when they say like, "Well, when did neighbor program start?" I said 19, 1967 when my dad got his draft letter, right? And and you talk about legacies and those traditions so much and how they are this extension. That's right. um, and so I would love to talk, have you speak to us about why education is so important to you and, you know, really pointed to your mother who was a staple and, and, and has a, a long-standing tradition of, of that Black teacher 
like tradition, pedagogy, all of those practices here in this city. And so I would just love for you to speak to why that's so important. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate you mentioning mom, though. You know, I'll never be uh, one third of the human being that she was. And uh, you're right, you got the Irene B. West Elementary School right there in Elk Grove. Uh, but one of the things that mom insisted on was after teaching for nine, 10 months every year, she would always teach the vacation Bible school right there at Shiloh on Oak Park. And Reverend Cook and the others, my father Clifton on the trustee board, they would make sure that it was not just free, but open to the children, whether their parents were attending Shiloh or not. And so she was teaching first grade. So she ends up, you can just, I can walk down the streets of Shiloh, people walking to me and say, oh, my mother helped, your mother helped teach me to read. I said, no, it's vacation Bible school right there on park. You see, and that's serving the people. Not for her, in the name of Jesus. It's like, but that's serving the people, you see. And so a lot of times, even when they celebrate mom, they celebrate her because of these titles and prizes. No, it ain't about that at all. The bottom line is the service to the precious children, the service to the precious people, you see. And that's what mom was most proud of. And so when we think of education, you know, the education school system not acting right, then you create an alternative. The churches can do it, the mosques can do it, the temples can do it. Malcolm X Academy can do it. So you don't have to always be a parasite. How come they not teaching black history? They against critical race theory. Well, of course they're gonna be afraid of the truth. That, that ain't new, not at all. We have to create context where we can speak our truths freely, courageously, and lovingly. And so that's exactly what mom attempted to do in her own way. And of course, you know, she. She died at 88 years young. So she was old, old school. If I'm old school, she was old, old school. You know, she's listening to Dinah Washington and Dakota State in the morning. You see what I mean? It's a different generation. Still towering figures, but different generation, you see. Uh, uh, and I can never take any credit for being, you know, born uh, of mom. I just showed up in that love nest. And I'm a love child on the love train and will go down as a love warrior until the end. That's just fundamental commitment, calling, and vocation. And we got three pillars of our movement. Your vocation, which is your calling, not just your career. You got your tradition. What is your relation to the Shakurs, Huey Newtons, and others? And then you got revolution. Then you got revolution. And revolution is what? It's not just this violent fight. No, it is the transfer of power, of wealth, and the transfer of a spirit of subordination to a spirit of resistance and resiliency and organized pressure against the status quo. That's what it means to be a revolutionary. And a lot of people in, the, in this society, you know, you say revolutionary and they think just 
pick up guns and so forth. Oh, no, 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 we're not talking about that uh, at, at all in any kind of initial moment. Mm-mm. Revolution is having your world turned upside down because you no longer look at the world through the lens of the dominant culture obsessed with subordination, domination, manipulation. Now you're looking at the world through the lens of love, justice. When, we, when I say justice, what love looks like in public and tenderness is what love feels like in private. Tenderness is revolutionary in a cold-blooded, mean-spirited culture. Otis Redden say, try a little tenderness. Genius from Macon, Georgia, right? Babyface with Bobby Brown. Ronin, tender Ronin. Not just Ronin now. Mm-mm. Tender Ronin. Y'all young enough to remember Bobby Brown singing that song, right? Oh, yes. That's a great album. That genius from Indianapolis. A baby face and the genius from Boston. But it's not just not a song. It's about the tenderness. James Baldwin said Malcolm X was the most gentle man I ever met. Not as a gentleman in the Victorian sense, but a man with gentleness. Nat Hintoff, Jewish brother, has a section on Malcolm X in his memoir, Speaking Freely. He says, I never met a man who was so tender in my life. That's Nat Hintoff. Powerful freedom fighter in his own way on the vanilla side of town. People who interacted with Malcolm would say that all the time. But of course, for the mainstream, he's a hater. The hate that hate produced. For the mainstream, he doesn't have a tender bone in his body. That's because you're looking at it through the wrong gaze. That's why Ozzy Davis in his obituary, his eulogy, you remember what he said? He said, our black prince. He said, but did you, did you ever talk to Malcolm? Did you ever feel the love in his heart? Did you ever see the sparkle in his eye? Did you ever wonder where that righteous indignation is coming from? That's Ozzy. Now, if that ain't tenderness and gentleness, what is it? What is it? The soulfulness of Black people, the sharing of a soothing sweetness against the backdrop of catastrophe. That's what it is to be soulful. That's what the voice of a David Ruffini is leading the temptation, even given his limitations. That's what the voice of a Phyllis Hyman is. Soulful, sweet. We all need a sweetness to share, given what's coming at us. And historically, Black people at our best have been such a tender people, touching people, grinning people, joy-spreading people. Think about Louis Armstrong. Think about Dizzy Gillespie. Has there ever been artists who spread more joy? All you got to do is just say their name, and the joy is felt because they're continually giving it. 
then that's not a function of skin pigmentation. That's a function of their spiritual formation. It's a function of their ethical cultivation. It's a function of their moral action. It's a function of their discipline and how they use their energy. That's the greatness of a people, of a new world African people. And people say, oh, Brother West, you sound so chauvinistic. You just into all of this blackness. I said, no, I'm trying to tell the truth. I could tell the whole story of black gangsters and black thugs and black folk who are cold and callous because we're human beings like anybody else. But when you look at the best of black folk in the midst of all of this hatred and terror and trauma, ooh, what a, his, what, what, what a, what a tradition, given the vocation and the call for revolution. Here come Malcolm X Academy. Sat down. Ooh, sucky, sucky now. Mm, mm, mm. Right. That's that's bars. Thank you so much for that. And I think I think that's really like what we're all here as educators for, right? Every every single one of us as moderators has this deep love for the people, right? And and even like, thinking about the cold and callousness that exists within our community and, and knowing like what are the material conditions that have led to That's our right. people engaging in these ways? What are they responding to, right? And so right. I think about education, I'm like, yeah, I think that's, it's vital, right? If we, if we are, as my, as my brother Jordan said, right? If we are at war um, and education, right? Is an opportunity. And he said this to me before um, to, to build the army. All right, to, to really give folks an understanding of what they are fighting for and why they are fighting for it, right? You're not gonna get a disciplined African, a new world African without, without having had that, that politic instilled in them, without having right their own buy-in and their own understanding of, of what it is that they're moving towards. And I know you had you had shouted out agape movement before, but that that really what is what it is for me, right? Is is it's about loving the people truly. Um, and, and, and inviting folks into this work in loving and, and tender ways so that they can see, right, you have, you have a place in the revolution. Um, it's up to you to figure out where that place is, right, how you're, I think you had mentioned, right, the, the vocation, the tradition, and the revolution, and those things acting together. Um, and so you're just really out here dropping gems. I think Jordan had said it perfectly before. Um, but we do have like a few, a few audience or questions from the audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. So I want to uplift first my comrade um, who also does work out in Rochester with the People's Liberation Program, um, Olu Asegan, who wants to know, what do you say to somebody who doesn't know anything about the Black radical tradition and our politic, but wants to get involved? And then specifically, what should they do on day one? Mm -hmm. Well, one is that we've said before, the love of the people means that you have a loathing of them being treated unfairly. So you have to have some analysis of why they're being treated unfairly. So you got to really understand how we got ourselves, how we found ourselves in this situation for 400 years. What were those slave ships about? How is it tied to predatory capitalist quest for gold and resources and money and profit? You see, why did they hate black people so in terms of our bodies, in terms of our sensibilities and ways of being 
in the world, both as objects of economic exploitation, but also objects of cultural degradation. Why were they fearful of our power, political oppression? So you have to educate yourself analytically, spiritually, morally, and you find yourself not so much just choosing to be in the black radical tradition, but saying, Lord, when I follow black love, I find myself hanging out with a whole lot of black radicals. Because love pushed them in that direction too. Love pushed them in the direction of saying, whoa, Lord, Audrey, Lord, I didn't realize she was my dear sister as much as she is because I'm learning so much from her. She's teaching me. I didn't realize James Baldwin was teaching me so much. He from Hall, she, with our rich Caribbean backdrop and so forth. Yes, all these for C.L.R. James. Oh, he's teaching us so much. Stokely from Trinidad teaching us so much. Oh, here come Bob Moses from New York. He goes Diane Nash. Here come Ella Baker from North Carolina. On and on and on. So it's a matter of both reading, exposing yourself to certain lens that you view the world. But in the end, it's really about courage. It's really about courage more than anything else. You remember with Mary Ellen Pleasant, you know, the first black uh, multimillionaire, California, the godmother of human rights out of San Francisco, gave John Brown $600,000 in the 1850s. When he was executed, he had the note in his pocket from her. She had been giving him money year after year after year. He created more centers for the poor, for for the physically challenged, for those addicted to alcohol, Mary Ellen Pleasant. She would begin most of her speeches in which way? She said, I'd rather be a corpse than a coward. That's what it is to be a freedom fighter. Martin used to say, I'd rather be dead than afraid, as Martin King, you see. So, it's, so when people talk about the black radical tradition, all the analysis in the world, all the vision in the world, it has to go hand in hand with your courage. And it just means you're willing to give all. You, you all remember Curtis Mayfield wrote uh, some classics for a brother named Gene Chandler. Now, see, now, now I should be testing my brother Jordan on Gene Chandler and Curtis Mayfield. Because that's all the way back 1964-65, rainbow. But there's a cold line in there, which is the line of every black freedom fight. Curtis writes with Gene Chandler, he said, I've given you all of me and plan to give even more, baby. Now, how are you going to give all of you and plan to give even more? See, that's the song of a freedom fighter and an educator. When the children come in, I'm giving you all of me and plan to give even more. Y'all, all of you, just embracing it. You, everything inside of me, you're going to get. Just like an Al Green concert or Aretha Franklin concert, they give everything. It's called emptying of the self. Kenosis, giving of the self. That's part of the genius of Black people. We give everything at our best. At the end of a sermon by Reverend C.L. Franklin, the father of the genius Aretha, he can hardly move because he's given everything. Prince, my dear brother, traveled the world with him. 
He'll go like James Brown, his model, two and a half hours with a bad hip, can hardly walk. But he ain't leaving the stage until he learned that he builds on the lesson of James Brown and George Clinton, which is to rock that stage so intensely that you touch the souls of others to empower them. So when you go back into the green room, you can hardly walk. You've given everything on that stage. And I know y'all saw some Prince concerts, right? Shoot, that brother's on top of the piano with his guitar playing and singing. Prince, come on down, you're gonna break your neck, brother. No, I'm giving the people everything, everything. That ain't just narrow entertainment. That's a black tradition of emptying yourself. That's what Fred Hampton did. He gave everything. Everything, that's what Bobby Hutton did. He gave everything. Erica too, we can go on and on. That's part of our tradition. We give everything to the kids. And it's partly because we don't exist. If it wasn't for the grandmamas and daddies and mamas and daddies and freedom fighters and love warriors of the past who gave us everything. And sometimes, we don't even realize that they're giving it to us. You got to grow into the perception that they really gave it because you weren't ready to receive it. Oh, what a great people. What a great people. Thank you for that. Um, we have maybe time for a couple more questions. I want to be mindful of everyone's time. I have an anonymous question that came in. Um, from a young educator who is currently working on a probationary contract. Um, and they're interested in, in hearing you talk about how you speak truth to power within institutions where a majority of, of the educators and a majority of the administration is white. Um, and even, even the administrators of color um, or the, the educators of color um, are oppressing, right? Oppressing the students um, and oppressing younger and new radical educators within that space, right? So, so just hearing how, how they should move forward and, and find support within, within these spaces or bolster themselves. Mm -hmm. No, I appreciate that question. Of course, all of us make our own uh, particular choices, make certain particular decisions and things. Um, and I've been blessed first just to have a job. I want to start with just basic things. Just having a job is, is an important thing. And I wouldn't have that job if the people hadn't struggled for. See, I wouldn't have gone to the particular college I did without the mass rebellions in the 60s when Martin was shot in April of 68. It was the next year that I applied and they opened up for a whole host of black students that had been excluded before. So you never forget that sacrifice in what you have available to you as an opportunity. And you try to be true to that. And of course, in my own case, you know, I've had some, uh, some real uh, intense battles with administrators and so forth, uh, both at Harvard and other places. And I've had to leave, you know, I just had to, I had to, I had to leave because I wouldn't be disrespected and I didn't want to 
make myself center stage, but also I didn't want to downplay the degree to which I can't talk about fighting against injustice when I'm treated unjustly. So the struggle begins at home, begins with yourself, begins with your family, your community, and it extends all the way to Latin America and Africa and Asia, around the world and Europe and what have you. So that the, um, so the yes, you know, there are certain prices that you do have to pay. And I've been blessed that when I decided to leave, I had somewhere to land. Now it's included some major, you know, um, um, cutbacks in salary and so forth. Uh, but, you know, it was workable. I was able to just accept it and just keep on moving. There's no doubt about it. But that's nothing compared to what we were talking about with H. Rap Brown and the others, Mumia Abdul Jamal and the others who paid prices that far, 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 far beyond anything that, that, that I have. But all of us have to pay certain kind of prices. Oh, very much so. And as the questioner rightly says, though, and it's also a matter of, uh, of principle, though, it's not a matter of color. You see, when I uh, uh, speak up for our precious Palestinian brothers and sisters, I know I'm going to catch hell, including some black folk, including some black leaders, including some black elite. Because oftentimes they run and scared when it comes to that issue, you see. And so they tell me, call me up, oh, Brother West, I, uh, I resonate with what you're saying, but I, I, I could never say that publicly. Praying for you, brother. I'm praying for you. See what I got to say the next time I give a speech. It's going to be consistent across the board. And if Jewish brothers and sisters were under a Palestinian occupation, I'd be in solidarity with them. It's a moral and spiritual issue. But no, they find themselves under an Israeli occupation. And it's just as wrong if it were a Palestinian occupation. And same is true with Kashmir. Same is true with Tibet. It's a matter of being consistent. Well, you, you could talk about every issue. Other than that issue, you're going to continue to be marginalized. Then I just be marginalized. Period. That's the way it rolls. That's the way it rolls. I am a free, Jesus-loving black man. And nothing's going to get in the way of my love for any oppressed people, be they Palestinian, Arabs, Muslims, whoever it is. Whoever it is, you see. And so at that point, you know, you just go for what you know, as we used to say. You go for what you know, and you have to pay the consequences. Very much so. Same is true during the Obama years. Oh, Brother West, how you going to be so critical of a black man? I say, well, I critically supported him because the right wing was so uh, uh, vicious that I, I, I voted for him. But I told that brother from the very beginning, I said, I'm critical of the system that you're ahead of. You are the black face of an American empire that's dropping drones on precious people in Libya and Somalia and Pakistan. You sided with Wall Street. You're expanding the national surveillance state and the national security state and all of your blackness and brilliance and poise and being with the precious black family in a white house built by enslaved Africans is not gonna blind me to your role and function in reproducing this empire in the way in which you have. Brother West, black people gonna hate you for the rest of your life. I said, I don't love black people for them to love me back. I love black people because they're worthy of being loved. 
I'm not in this for no goddamn popularity contest. That's Millie Vanilla. No, not them personally, but that's the Grammys. I ain't in this for the Grammys. I'm trying to empower my people. And if I can empower my people and they give me a Grammy, that's an afterthought. But I don't care about no goddamn Grammy. Just like Muhammad Ali, take your belt back. I love black people. Go on and take your belt. I ain't in this just for the belt. That's our tradition at its best. And all of us can be part of this. Oh, I see my dear precious Erica. Oh, Lord, 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 Puerto Rico. That's my precious, precious niece. Erica and Carl. Connected the cliff. My brother, I never beat him with being my brother. Yes, Lord, he set the highest, highest, highest standard. But that's an answer to that question. See what I mean? That's the answer to the question. Integrity rather than popularity. Integrity rather than cupidity, love of money. Integrity rather than chicanery. That's, that's our tradition at its best. I love that. I love that. I appreciate that too. As as someone who was uh, pushed out of their school for for staying principal, uh, I think it's important mm-hmm. to share that. Right, stay principal, then you won't find reasons to mm-hmm. to justify genocide, to justify oppression. Right, stay stay principal. Right. How you feeling? How you feeling, Dr. West? You got time for one more? Oh, we got to play. I'm going with the Holy Ghost. I'm <laughs> going that. with the Holy Ghost. We go with the Spirit. All right, I'm going to read this. We got one last question in the chat then. Um, so with your mother being so instrumental in your development as a human being, what suggestions do you have for parents and mothers in regards to encouraging both self-love and a love for the people so that their youth and their kids can be the next generation of human beings um, that serve the people, willing and ready to serve the people? Yeah, see, that's, 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 that's a powerful question because as Sister Mel was rightly saying that... Uh, See, the material conditions, the, the context in so many of our uh, poor and working class communities have put so much on parents that a significant number of them have not been able to love their children the way they should that one of the big shifts from the ghetto that Donnie Hathaway was singing about, and Leroy Hudson, who co-wrote the song with him. You notice in that song, it's all about love and sympathy and empathy and resilience. When you shift from the ghetto to the hood, that so often the songs in the hood do have references of love and empathy, but it's much more survival of the slickest than getting over by any means. It's less love. And so the, one of the reasons why your generation is so much more heroic than mine is that you all have had to work with much less love than my generation. Glenn Eldon in Old Park in the 1960s had stronger families, stronger communities, with jobs, with strong civic institutions, churches and mosques and temples and and, and, and music connections and so forth, you see. Whereas your generation, the market, predatory capitalism just shattered all of that. 
So it's more isolated. You're more on your own. And so there's less love. And it's a, uh, you know, when I hear some of these songs of the younger generation, you know, I, I just, I want to know how to love. I, 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 I want the real love. I got all the lust I can get in the world, but I, I just want the real love. Whereas you see, Ashford and Simpson was singing about something they knew. Not just the love they had from each other, but the love they got from their parents and their grandparents and things. And you all do have access to love, but not as much. So that we have to understand the conditions under which the parents are wrestling with, but the effects on the children is that in this war that we're in, and there's a spiritual warfare, just like there's a class warfare, just like there's a political warfare, just like there's an educational warfare, that if your armor is real thin and you don't have a lot of love gas in your tank, it's hard to sustain the long run, you see. It's very difficult to sustain the long run, you see. And, uh, and so you all have been heroic in terms of uh, uh, the love. You remember uh, Raising in the Sun by the genius from the south side of Chicago, Lorraine Hansberry, which she wrote in her 20s. And you remember Mama in that play? There's never been a character with more love in the history of the American stage than Mama. And she comes home to Walter, and what does she tell Walter? She said, there once was a time when I heard black people talking primarily about freedom. Now I hear black people talking primarily about money, money, money. It's like she was writing the song for Wu-Tang Clan, cream, cash rules, everything around me. Doesn't that rule me? But everything around me. That's mama 1959. I don't know what year that's Wu-Tang. But those geniuses from Staten Island they were speaking deep truth. They were talking about the commodification of the culture of young people and the commodification of their own music. See how hip hop gets completely commodified and the freedom dreams get lost. But the dreams for things, you see. So people run around now talking, you know, what is my, what, 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 what is my brand? What is my brand? We ain't got no god dang brand. We got causes. Cause is not a brand. Brand is a market construct to fit into a niche to make money. Cause is what you're willing to live and die for. And if all you have is a brand, then you're not going to be a freedom fighter. You're just going to be a cog in somebody else's propaganda machine. Somebody else's market machine. Maybe somebody else's killing machine. Where's your cause? Well, that's what mama was talking about. Freedom, not just money. Now, of course, the reality is in a capitalist society, we need cash. If I was a multi-multi-millionaire, Malcolm X Academy would have more cash than it has. That's why we're going to try to have this fundraising. Because you need cash in order to keep your cause going. But you're not getting the cash just to be a brand. Malcolm was never a brand, ever. He was a cause all the way to the end. All the way to the end, you see. And so young folk dealing with this 
market bombardment, making love so very, very difficult because black love is always the key that opens the door to black liberation, black joy, black sublimity, black magnanimity, black majesty. Those are not just words. All you got to do is just point out folk who you know who exemplify that, who embody that. That's what we're talking about. And that's what Malcolm X Academy in Sacktown is in part all about, because what you all add in ways that I don't know. I'm just one voice among others. You know, and we, that's our anthem, right? Lift every voice. Not one voice, speak for everybody. Everybody got to lift their own voice. Just, just like a jazz or everybody got their voice. Absolutely, Amen. but not echo. We don't need no echoes. At all, count base and say, somebody gonna be an echo in this band, pick up your stuff and go home. I want voices. I want voices because all of our voices together is gonna take these folk to a whole new level. A whole new level. And that's the greatness of our culture. Man. Well, I, <laughs> first off, I just need to apologize, everyone. Y'all probably see me weeping or something on the Zoom at some point because, Dr. West, the words you said resonated so deeply with me. Um, and the things that you said about loving our people and our traditions and those things, they do mean so much. Um, I know to everyone on this leadership team, and I know that um, we are going to continue to do the work um, because we love the people. That's where we get um, our name from, Neighbor Program, right? The world will know you are his by how you love your neighbor. Um, go do the same. So that is that is where, if you see me getting emotional, that's why. Like, this is a dream come true to be able to open this project with this team um, for us to be able to run groceries, medical clinics, legal clinics, to show folks how to farm their food, teach them how to cook, to have a space, like you said, for us to be safe. This is, to me, fighting for land back, like we acknowledged in the beginning, especially with the gentrification happening in the city and all of those things. Um, and so we are, we are calling on the community um, in every type of way, we are at war and we're asking folks to send aid, whether that is, we say the, the bullets and the guns, right? That's the money, right? If you have that, right? Because again, that pays rent, that pays lights, that pays teachers, that gets supplies, that all those things. But if it's a donation of time and labor and love, you say, I want to come paint the building. Yes. Please do that. If you want to come help at the medical clinic or at the legal clinic, or you want to come help babies to read or you are really good at tech or whatever it is, whether you have a, a business that can partner with us to provide free haircuts, that can provide anything uh, with the Shakur Center, whether you're willing to sponsor students, that's what we're looking for with the community at this point, y'all. We are, we're going to continue to try to bring y'all exclusive, you know, situations like this, uh, exclusive content with Dr. West. Uh, you know, more newspapers. Uh, I know that we have a special edition coming out soon uh, with a big announcement for 
from from the Cambridge branch um, and Minister Mason. I know we have a a big announcement coming out. Uh, we have a, a special edition coming out with some dope poets, and we're gonna have a you know a special poetry issue of the paper. Um, if wow. you, you know, send a jar because work. We have this doc. Me and Mel have a docu series, right? If there's any way for y'all to get involved in the things that we are doing, we are calling on the community at large uh, to help so that we can fund the Shakur Center. Because like Dr. West said, we have to have our own places that we can have this black freedom because it's not going to be just given to us. The government, the the empire isn't going to provide that. And so I know that. Thank you, Mel. Mel is dropping links in the chat. You can check us out on our website. You could check out the GoFundMe. You could become a Patreon member. You could pay through PayPal, Venmo, Cash, all those things. Uh, again, whether it's just, hey, I want to come and paint. I want to come and help build something. We're here for it. We do need work. And we also do have some video of the building. If y'all don't mind watching it really quick, y'all could get a quick look of the Support Center. Absolutely. And so, Yeah. Absolutely. And we want to salute. Was it Pastor Wallace? Is that his name? Pastor Wallace and New Direction Ooh, Christian New Center. Direction. Absolutely. We got some prophetic folk coming out of these religious traditions that's embracing because historically the church at its best has been a place where black folk could be free when they got the gospel right, when they start right. de folk in the name of the blood at the cross, then you got something deep going on. Amen. And we are loving that we can keep the community involved with it. That's right. I think we're going to drop this video. No, no, we will, we'll stay here and check that video out. All right. We see that Sister Chantel's got a little precious, precious, precious one there. That, that's what we're talking about. You see that little precious, precious one she got? Okay, so hopefully y'all can see this video. Our future. Yeah, so this is the back of the Shakur Center. Um, you can wow. see it kind of, yeah, so, yeah. That's wow. the, that will be the Tupac Performing Art Center. So then we're gonna paint all of this. We're gonna be trying to put up murals of our great musicians. And so we would love help with that. studio in there that's the, that's the fellowship room the children will eat there and then they'll be able to turn that into classrooms that's our kitchen so the kids will be able to learn how to cook as well this is actually us bringing in groceries yesterday for our grocery distribution yesterday we were able to get out 30 boxes of groceries every box every family got a gallon of milk they got three uh, packages of meat they got fresh fruit they got produce. Beautiful. And so this is this is the work that we're able to do at the Shakur Center. So again, I know, you know, I know it's a pandemic. I know it's tight. I know all of those things, but even five dollars a month, right, goes a long way. Because if if you know, a thousand people get five dollars a month, we've made money. You know, that's how simple it is. Again, we'll we'll be able to run our second expungement clinic at the end of this month as a partnership with UCA. We'll be able to run our first legal clinic this month on the 26th. 
Um, mm. And we'll actually be dropping that flyer on social media and we'll be canvassing. This team will be in the neighborhood. We will be in Oak Park this weekend. Pull up on us. Friday, we will have groceries. Saturday, we will be out walking the community, letting folks know who we are, where we're at. And Sunday, we will do our breakfast distribution to serve meals to our unhoused neighbors. Um, and we also have community learning Saturday night. Um, and we are going to be talking about the legacy of the Shakurs since we are stepping in into the building. And so we are so thankful for all of you who have joined us today. Thank you so much, Dr. West, for your time, uh, for your brilliance. They're amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, Salute you all. Shout out Salute. to this whole team, this whole Absolutely. team. Absolutely. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, again, in this lineage, it's amazing to me um, how much my father shows up because it was my father who brought, like, your work to me. So, um, yeah. Good God. So, now, is, is he still alive, my brother? I I wish he was. He passed when I was 19. He is passed that? when I was 19. Yeah. And um, Agent Orange. Agent Orange. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I would love, my goal is to work on a film in his honor. Um, wow. Because he has, he has quite a story. He has quite Robert, a story. He's smiling on you right now, little brother. Amen. Amen to that. Smiling okay, I got to stop talking. <laughs> That's a high, high standard, brother. That's like John Coltrane playing Love Supreme. That's a high standard. It goes beyond I'm language. a sax man. You I'm a sax, sax man. Too. I played sax growing up. I didn't realize that either. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I, deeply, <laughs> deeply. Everybody deeply, know deeply. what we're talking about. Everybody know. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, this is this has been what the whispers call a love thing. It's a love thing. That's it. That's it. Indeed, indeed, indeed. But I can't wait to be with y'all in the fall now. Amen. No, no, we, yeah, we're gonna work that out. You know, I'm coming in from New York. We going hit the ground. It's gonna be a thing. It's gonna be an old park thing. Yes, wow. sir. I'll have to make a community day out of that. Do some free stuff. Let's make that happen. Let's make that everything. Yeah. That yeah. Is magnificent. Well, that's all we have for everyone. Again, thank y'all so much. I apologize for all my tears. Um, but I will just say this is we we are rooted in, in love. All of the educators here. Um, and our, our found, one of our foundational texts is really, is, is not just Asada, but revolution is love. And so <laughs> if you've joined us today and you've seen any type of vulnerability from these four educators, it's because to us, nothing, there's no other way that we can put it other than revolution is love. And I think that Dr. West did a great job of honing in on that today. I think he definitely gave us some marching orders um, and I know that all of us are going to continue to do the work at Malcolm X Academy and Neighbor Program and Agape Movement and all of the places that we are. Um, shout out to everyone on here. I do also want to just give a quick shout out to Miss Jill and Miss Barbara, um, because y'all are two 
African women doing so much work, so much work as elders and showing us the way during Women's History Month. So I had to give y'all shout outs um, because I love y'all and y'all showed up and y'all do everything. <laughs> so that's beautiful. I love y'all. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you, everyone. Well, thank y'all. Have a great rest of y'all's day. Um, go live in love today and every day. Have to. Thank you, everybody. Go out there and do great things. Thank you, Dr. West. Thank you, my dear sister. Thank you. You all doing the do. What a mighty work you're doing. Love you, love you, love you. And I hope that we, I can get this video so I can put it on my uh, Twitter and... Uh, yes. Uh, what's the other thing I got? Facebook. Yeah, that's what... Yeah. You guys. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely make sure we get you uh, all of the all the video. Absolutely. Just send yeah. me that. Absolutely. Because I don't do it myself, but, you know, I got some... I got some good friends who work it out for me. And to be able to have that there is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I'll, I'll send it to no, you to get the video process. Yeah, what an inspiration you all are. But all right, love you, love you now. Take good care. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace. Sacktown in the house. Sacktown in the house. We have a responsibility to wake up, clean up, and stand up. And give liberation lyrics to our people that will uplift them and not degrade them and put them down. Because if we follow the same filth of the white man's world, then our world will go down under the weight of filth and corruption the same way the white man's world is going yeah. down. Windy City, Fontana. I wear my feathers and my jewelry well. Gallo de pelea, I do not back down. If you beat me in the past, I want a rematch now. On the quest for vengeance, mi busca de venganza. Esta mascara resalta, that means it stands out. It's heavy mutant armor, you can keep the bag loco. I fight for honor. Sangre a los dioses is what I'm here to offer. I'm the author of my story. None of your troops are in my category. Sobriety in my camp, it's for show mandatory. Please read carefully, I put it in the syllabus. I'm villainous and vicious, Turtle Island indigenous. El gobierno americano. No tiene droga en la estufa Hay que organizarnos, nos vemos en la junta I'm attending academic Toltec seminars, sparring in the ring With Babylon's minotaurs Alcohol's forbidden, the prophet spoke against it Trying to pet the jaguar, wouldn't recommend it They had me apprehended in the Roman court of law My mask will live on long after I'm gone Soy Ernesto Che Guevara, without a cigar Maestro Victor Jara, without the guitar Free Palestina, y'all will never be erased And mascarado de plata, y'all will never see my face My village was burnt in Jesucristo's name The European man made my world unsafe We rep Abiyala, aquí no mas Chichimeca, Guamares, Zacatecos, Jonas Every piece in my regalia, you know that I earned that Solitary confinement, you know that I served that In Nueva Galicia, shackled in chains Encadenado, enslaved, locked in a cage Seeking liberation from this cycle of suffering I'm shuffling the deck I'm a mutant, I'm gambit Our communities are looted by corporate bandits All the buildings are abandoned Neglected city parks My vitals forgotten It's grimy where I roam Guadalupe statues in everybody's home This side of the city are AZA The wealth within my veins Eclipses foes like
in a class of my own. Camels loaded with gold in the kingdom of Mali. I'm surrounded by Muslims like Muhammad Ali. My in-ring psychology be a savage, no apology. Americans are calling me a commie. I wave a rainbow flag in Atahualpa's army. No way you'll disarm me. If you're with it, then pop me. America is evil's what my poppy taught me. For real, there's no soul in the system. This is my portion of the solar system. Where the devil ain't allowed, these Americans will bow to the black and the brown. We came to paralyze their American settlements. Not a word to their delegates. My name is relevant throughout the Inland Empire. Here's my message to these pilgrims. Your visa expired. We're the children of the sun. We're irreplaceable in the ring every day i'm not available with a vicious demeanor you think i could crack native first nations for sure i look that i'm wearing a trash bag under the hoodie sobriety's all it took me maria sent me i still a microphone rookie great relations with the wookies be afraid to book me to go on your stage i know the pigs are looking i write with a formula don't call me a foreigner i'm in the quantum realm quantifying the math islamic gunners shield them as they clear the path see y'all in the cockpit i'm focused on the target where they're aerial or aquatic the canines are robotic pay attention to my body language activate the laser cannons hit them with some body damage this is for the corn that my hand they planted our advantage is the eagle and the condor landed mexican hand wraps my knuckles are bandaged i'm a wet back with a weapon better get back when i'm stepping this isn't an aesthetic people that look like me are seen as barbaric my enemies wonder how i got the location i'm the pilot of the spaceship sober navigation knee deep in the logo and how wide is me apodo i'll continue to play hide and seek with death them settlers sent a sketch and a journal back to europe godless with long hair they describe me to justify their terror and claim to civilize me indigenous genocide i'm the savage that remains boarding school dropouts every baby in those graves whoever hears this in the future i pray that my people still exist that we're not extinct that we're not enslaved that we live in peace and we're free from pain